Welcome back to another episode of Brown Skin, White Lies. I'm Salome Kanani. And I'm Prue Dufton. And this is actually one of our final episodes yeah. of our podcast. As you kind of maybe might remember if you've been following since the first episode, mm-hmm. um, we originally created this project as our senior thesis. Um, and so this is actually going to be like the last episode of our thesis project. Yeah. We might, we might yeah. continue. We'd love to actually continue. Um, this is very much still a passion project at the same time so you know hopefully we continue in the future but you guys can always follow our social media for podcasts Um, so that's at brown skin white lies or you can follow our personals for our personal journey that is (laughs) yeah you can find us either at priya dufton or at saloni kanani sk um, um, yeah, but you're welcome to follow any of those things. We're on like Instagram, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Maybe um, send us messages about how the podcast affected you. And if you just want to have a conversation, we'll be, you yeah, know. we're always happy to chat if this was like insightful to any of yeah. you. Um, and if we choose to continue, we'll continue Yeah, we'll posting. definitely post about it mm-hmm. if we do end up continuing and creating more episodes. Um, exactly. But for now, this will be our final episode. Yeah. Um, this episode is primarily, we're going to have a guest speaker and we're primarily going to be talking about moving forward, what we want to see in the industry, what it's like to be in the industry currently and advice for aspiring artists. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I think it's going to be a really fun one. So without further ado, we're going to get started with our guest speaker and our first question, we're going to get a little bit of background. So could you please tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Lena Pendarker and I'm a professor here at Loyola Marymount University. I teach in the film school. I'm an independent filmmaker and I teach directing, I've taught screenwriting and I've worked as a director and a screenwriter while also making a lot of independent work. Wow, that's really, yeah. really impressive. Thank um. you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, could you just, like, talk a little bit more about some of the work that you've done in the industry, some of your films that you've made? Yeah, so I um, I wrote and directed a feature film called 20 Weeks mm-hmm. that was released on Hulu and in theaters in 2018, and that was my second indie feature. It was um, an intimate story about a couple that finds out they're Baby has an, has a serious health condition mm-hmm. in utero, and it was about the couple deciding whether they were going to abort or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I played that at a bunch of festivals, and then I was I had some really great screenings and got it out. And then from there, I've been doing some writing. I adapted a book, an Ursula Le Guin novel, and I just directed two episodes of a show for Apple TV+. Plus. Wow. So, wow. That's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, so, yeah, I've been doing that in teaching. But prior to that, I had made another independent film mm-hmm. back in, like, 2012, and mm-hmm. then a bunch of shorts in between. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's or, so much fun. I know. <laughs> Are there any places that, like, people can go to watch any of that content or? Yeah, 20 Weeks is on all the platforms. Okay. I oh, think okay. it's it's on, it was on Hulu for a while, but now it's on more, like, 
I think it's on Amazon and all of those platforms. Okay. Yeah. And then my first indie feature called Raspberry Magic was about a South Asian family. Um, okay. And as the girls kind of, it's about told from the point of view of an 11 year old girl as her family is falling apart. She kind oh. of has to pick up the pieces mm, for yeah. her parents. And that's also on a bunch of different platforms. That's on Tubi. It's on Amazon. Okay. It's on IMDb TV. I think okay. it's on Roku. So it's oh, it's okay. okay. That's yeah, amazing. that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, the show I directed on is called Hello Jack. Um, okay. My app, my episodes aren't out yet, but um, it's a really cute kids show. Oh, oh that's so that's fun. so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It seems cute. like you've been working professionally in the industry for a while. So how long has that been since you got into the industry? Yeah, I mean it's. It's weird because I don't even know what it means to be necessarily in the industry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been, you know, I started out in journalism in college. Mm -hmm. Even in high school, I actually did a bunch of journalism and some theater. And then I... I basically worked actually in politics for a bit after college. Yeah, doing media stuff. Interesting. Yeah, and then I went to UC Berkeley. I got my master's in documentary film production. Mm, Okay. But I found myself like I I liked, I love docs and I watch a lot of docs Mm -hmm, and I love social justice content, but Mm, I felt a little bit like fiction was more my calling. So I started um, just working as crew, making some short films, being a PA on sets, as many sets as I could. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it took me years to get my first film, Raspberry Magic, made, the feature. But um, from there, you know, it's tricky to go to the other side and be a working Mm -hmm. director as a female of color. I mean, for I think only in the last five years, the the doors have opened much more for women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women of color, there's much yeah. more awareness right now. I mean, I always had Mira Nair and Deepa Mehta as, okay. you know, heroes and women that mm-hmm. were doing it. But, I mean, in Hollywood, there just was weren't that many. Like, yeah. I think Ava DuVernay right now has done a okay. lot to bring mm-hmm. women into the, you know, the television world. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's tricky. As, as, as a female director, you face a lot of just doors that are closed yeah even after my first first film which my first feature which played in a lot of festivals and Mm -hmm. it got a distribution deal on Hulu and Stars. I mean it was still really difficult like people would be like oh you should just PA on shows Mm -hmm. you should just and I was like so um yeah yeah, like yeah making that transition and just keeping making stuff is is the hard part I think with that, I just wanted to ask, like, have you been just working in Los Angeles primarily or elsewhere as well? Yeah, I guess, you know, prior to L.A., I was in the Bay Area where I started out in docks and working on sets Mm -hmm. and things. So Mm -hmm. Bay Area based at first, but mostly Mm -hmm. in L.A. And then, you know, getting into television, what happens is like a lot of independent filmmakers to make the transition into Mm -hmm. television. There are these diversity programs through the studios like Warner Brothers and ABC and NBC. I did Warner Brothers in the pandemic. I also did CBS. And oh, wow. Yeah, they send you out to all these shows and you shadow directors mm-hmm. on the shows. Okay. So I went to, like, a lot of shows are shot in Atlanta and Vancouver. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and New York. So I shadowed in all those cities. Oh, <laughs> like, that's, so, okay. Yeah. That's yeah, nice. Yeah. yeah. And, like, given that you, I guess, clearly haven't always been in this since you were, like, doing politics and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, how did you, like, end up deciding that you actually (laughs) wanted to pursue creating, like, films and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I was always 
very into writing. I mean, I okay. didn't know what that would look like. I mean, I read a lot as a as a kid, and mm. I got my my undergrad degree in English Lit, and I assumed that mm-hmm. I would do something involving writing at some point. And yeah. I thought about law, but I, I've also always been into social justice. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought, like, I was always making media, and I just thought it would be something fun to do in high school I was on the school newspaper then in college I continued on the school newspaper Mm -hmm. and from there I started doing a lot of visual stuff like graphics and video and just after I graduated I just had work doing freelance video and Mm -hmm. you know for the congressman that's what I did I did a lot of his graphics and like design and press and media and yeah and I really liked that I had thought for a long time about working in the nonprofit world or in politics and you know what I found from it was like I have so much I want to say, mm. and I'm not sure that like, because when you're working for a congressman, yeah. you're you're ghostwriting articles yeah. from the congressman's voice, which yeah. was cool, was a great experience. Mm-hmm. But I found that like, making work was always what I wanted to do, and I was always yeah. kind of writing stuff at night and on weekends, and yeah. I I wrote for a lot of newspapers for free in my 20s. I would like freelance, and then mm-hmm. by the time I got to the Bay Area to get my master's, I had a pretty good portfolio so I was able wow. to make, make some money on yeah, writing, yeah. So. No, that's that amazing yeah like having your voice as a South Asian woman yeah. and creating stuff I think that's so important we need more people to be able to like go out there and do that exactly um, but I think with that I also wanted to ask like in terms of teaching what made you want to teach mm-hmm. yeah I teaching I came into teaching because I was in again this is all in the Bay Area yeah, yeah. I was freelancing I was like PAing on sets and I was yeah. you know doing both post production PAing and on set PAing like working in editing houses and things and I really liked it but again I just felt like something was missing mm-hmm. and I I found this like someone had posted maybe through my grad school or somewhere mm-hmm. yeah. for a need for a teacher at a community college teaching like okay. the class oh. was like interactive writing or writing online mm-hmm. or something and I was like I don't even know what this is yeah. but yeah. I don't think they knew what it was but I was like sure mm-hmm. I, I that looks really fun yeah mm-hmm. and I I started teaching at a, a Berkeley City College okay and again you know Berkeley City College is it's a very underfunded community college mm-hmm. there are people there of all ages all backgrounds. I dealt with a lot of people who had recently been out of prison. Um, I had dealt with people who had been laid off from their jobs. And it just honestly, like, was very heartwarming. Like, I just sort of felt like, wow, like, I'm being very useful. And I was at that point in my late 20s, maybe 27, 20. I was really good at all this the techie stuff like editing and, you know, like design Mm -hmm. and Photoshop and all those tools. And so, I mean, everybody thought I was a wizard, you know, I would show them how to fix their, <laughs> yeah. I would show them how to fix their video in yeah. five minutes mm-hmm. after they'd struggled for a night and they were like, you're, you know, and yeah. for me, I was like, wow, this is very gratifying. Like yeah. I, can, I can be very helpful to people. And sometimes, yeah. I mean, I had a student who was like an ex-convict and he just like was trying to make a video about going to church and it was very difficult oh, for him. so mm-hmm. deep. Yeah. 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 It was very difficult for him. So, uh-huh. you know, it, it was, it just was very fulfilling. Yeah. And I sort of realized like, you know, this is kind of a good, a good uplifting job as I write. Yeah. And I, as I, I taught at other colleges, community colleges, I came to LMU. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. As, um, no worries. Hey, <laughs> um, yeah. I came to add to adjunct at LMU. I was, you know, at one at a certain point, the Bay Area is great. Like, there's really good activism. There's a really good 
Asian and South Asian community, yeah, right. especially yeah, working in documentary sure. film. But I felt that my, personally, for me, my skill set was very limited as a documentarian. Mm-hmm, it just mm-hmm. wasn't what I was good at. Yeah. I tend to be stronger with dramatic writing and mm, working with actors. Yeah. And so I was like, I have to move to Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to move. And, you know, I... I applied to a few schools. I thought no one would call me. But luckily, I actually got some calls. Hey, right here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I started teaching just like one or two classes here at LMU. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So over a period of time, over a period of like 10 years. And then I, yeah, I just really liked the climate here. And I find teaching to be very fulfilling. So Yeah. That's amazing. How many like years ago did you move to Los (laughs) Angeles? It's been a while. Okay. It's been like 15 years or something. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, I was, and I was what they call adjunct at LMU, where you do like one or two classes yeah. for, right. for like seven years or something, and then yeah, like you was teaching also across the street at Otis College. So, mm. oh, yeah, uh, you okay. know, so yeah, so yeah. then they hired me. That's very cool. Time, so, so then, did you like grow up in the Bay Area? Like, is that? No, I actually home? grew up. No, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill for okay. oh, yeah. undergrad, and I majored in English Lit and Public Policy analysis. Mm-hmm. And oh, very cool. Yeah, so I, you know, like a lot of people, I thought I would go to law school. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I just sort of, you know, I, I don't know. My senior year, I decided I just didn't want to take the LSAT. So yeah, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um. Going further into this, I just want to know, did you have any specific inspirations growing up? What pushed you to do all this work, I think, growing when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, I just, I always was a reader, you know, Mm -hmm. I loved reading. And I think it just kind of transported me, you know, to other places. So I don't know that I necessarily, you know, grew up wanting to, like, said, oh, I'm going to write or direct. I kind of just... I was always doing theater kind of stuff too, mm-hmm. like oh, doing okay. little plays. I was in dance. Okay. And I just like loved it. I mean, I did all kinds of dance, but mm-hmm. I did like I'm ballet. I'm a dancer too. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. What kind of dance do you do? I did um, Bollywood, contemporary, oh, cool. hip hop, and jazz funk. Oh, awesome. But you, As you had those saying, inspirations yeah. that you were. Yeah, about. it was yeah. just what I loved to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just love theater, creativity, and dance. Like I said, I was kind of obsessed with dance. And I think, like, secretly, I wish I could be, like, a choreographer. Well, or what a, dance yeah. did you do? <laughs> I grew up doing ballet and tap. And oh, then okay. as I got older I did a lot of like Indian dance I was involved in some competitions oh that's so fun yeah it was fun and I really just loved it but I think you know the writing is what really got Mm -hmm. me into the arts right because I read so much I think and I I was not a person who was really good with math and science and my parents Mm -hmm. really pushed that like a lot of South Asian parents yeah Yeah. (laughs) we touched on this yeah they really thought something was wrong with me Mm -hmm. that I wasn't good at science and math but the flip side was that I always had like English teachers who were like, "You're a good writer. Yeah. You wanna, you wanna." Like I had an English teacher that kind of changed my life. She was, you know, um, yeah. I struggled a little bit in high school, and I didn't do always do really well mm-hmm. on in those sciencey classes, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And this English teacher was like, "You should be on the newspaper staff." And I sort of was like, "Okay, sure." And I I joined and I started writing for the paper, and I realized mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I really like this," you know. And my yeah. teacher was very positive and very supportive, and 
encouraging. So it kind of changed my trajectory and yeah. my, my view on things. Yeah. It opened up a lot of yeah. things that I would never have known about. So, so important yeah. to have supportive. Uh, yes, definitely yeah. makes all authoritative yeah. figures. We always talk about yeah. that in like the episodes. It's very helpful that we mm-hmm. both were like lucky enough to have parents that were supportive of us like pursuing theater and oh, stuff like that. So yeah. Um, but yeah, it definitely helps a lot to like have somebody who can support your interests. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say my mom is an extremely creative woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, she didn't necessarily have like a huge career in the arts, but she was very much like she's the one who like shuttled us around to ballet and tap. And yeah. she, uh, you know, herself like paints and sews and draws and put us in all kinds mm-hmm. of art classes when I was growing up. So, mm-hmm. you know, to her credit, like she really is the one who fostered all of that. Right. So, no, yeah. that makes That's sense. really important. Yeah. 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 And then definitely given the fact that like being South Asian has been a theme in some of some of your work and things like that, what does being South Asian kind of mean to you and your identity as an artist and as mm-hmm. a filmmaker, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, that identity for me, it's it's always evolving. I think when I was younger, to mm-hmm. be perfectly honest, I mean, I wished I could be like the non in the white Sundance quirky filmmaker. Yeah. I always yeah. dreamed about we like I know what that in our episode. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wanna make I make these films and you know they play at Asian film festivals or they play at South Asian film yeah. film festivals and I see certain friends that you know maybe are white and they don't and they just play at like Sundance mm-hmm. or they have this point of view that's like yeah. a more mainstream point of view. Mm-hmm. And I could never mm-hmm. You know, if I, I wished when I was younger, I was always like, I want to be like that. But mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I really just have stopped caring. I like yeah, really as you should, yeah. yeah. I just really don't care about that point of view anymore. And I yeah. really don't care if I'm validated by Sundance or some of those That's institutions. Amazing, yeah. Because it's just a, a really big waste of time is what yeah. I found. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that... Like, even my last short film, I cast Parminder Nagra, who's in Bendit Like Beckham, you know, the lead actor. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love her. Yeah, I love her. And working with her was, like, a dream. And, you know, I I was like, this is a point of view that some people may not want to watch, you know. it's, Mm -hmm. But I think it's an important point of view. And it's, you know... I think the work, if it's interesting, will find its way. And yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, as I've as I've grown in my career and I've kept making stuff and kept pushing, I find like there's you know there's a place for it. So yeah. you just have to keep going. That's yeah, amazing. That I think that's so important. Like just get your voice out there, your stories yeah. of being South Asian. And Priya and I actually talked about this in our previous um, couple episodes um, ago. Yeah. About how we, as well, growing up, how we wanted to not be South Asian. Yeah, not have our identity be like that we're like the Indian kid or like just have that be the thing that like defines us wanting to just be able to like be and like do what we want to do without that Mm -hmm. being like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, a part of the way that everybody always like sees us and interprets what we're doing. Yeah. Um, But it's like, like you said, now we're accepting that and embracing it and using that as our voice to present our stories. Yeah. Which I'm really glad like people like you and like other South Asian women especially who are out there doing the work, <laughs> yeah. like are huge source of inspiration for Yeah. Yeah, all of there's us. I mean, I think what's interesting is like you have like Deepa Mehta and Miranair who are from a n- different generation. Yeah. I think a lot of the people who are now like probably in their 40s or late 30s or mm-hmm. even 50s who have been at this for 10 or 20 years now you know, kind of had to pave the way because yeah. you know, when Hollywood like 
you guys probably know Nisha Ganatra, whose work, you know, is like, you know, she has had a, a, so much success on all fronts. And I think mm-hmm. she's a real trailblazer, you know, mm-hmm. and the people yeah. around her. Yeah, definitely. Are for sure. Yeah. Um, and another thing I guess that uh, Saloni and I have talked about a lot mm-hmm. in our episodes or in our podcast is just like the experiences that we've had as like actors, um, just like in in theater and things like that um, and the kind of obstacles that we've had to face I guess with you being a filmmaker and kind of on the other side of um, the camera and everything yeah what's kind of your um, experience what are your the challenges that you face being a woman of color in the industry and trying to yeah, navigate cre- that. yeah navigate that industry yeah I mean I think there's a fight that's been going on for a while for women directors you know mm-hmm. I think Hollywood has a pretty abysmal history of hiring women directors and women screenwriters especially I think um, that's changing and it's changed a lot in the last five years there's diversity programs but there's just much more of an awareness you know I see that awareness within the execs I see it within the students I teach too that the students come to class and they have this understanding that like wow you're a professor of color and you have made these films like I hear from students like that's really cool and it must have been hard. You know, like yeah. five or ten yeah. years ago that awareness just wasn't there yeah. for younger yeah. people that like this is this is really real. These yeah. are the obstacles. And I meet female directors who are in their fifties and sixties and who have MFAs from Columbia and great independent mm-hmm. film work and they've really, really struggled to like yeah. make that second film or that mm-hmm. third film yeah. or get hired. So I think it's really important right now that that work is being done, that agencies are representing women directors, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that there that there's an effort to hire people that are you know not just the yeah. usual hires yeah that's, that's that's really good to know and also I guess kind of leads us perfectly into our next question which is just we've kind of talked a lot about in our past episodes just like the um kind of molds that have been created of what people expect South Asians to be because a lot of the early representations of South Asians has been like kind of created through a white person's lens by white writers or um, white directors or people like that. And so um, we've talked a lot just about how um, it feels like it's very surface level, a lot of the characters that currently kind of exist. So I guess in your experience, do you feel like the industry is truly trying to like look to improve (laughs) diversity? I mean, obviously you can't answer this question all yourself, but like, do you feel like it's like a genuine desire to improve diversity or do you feel like it's kind of more just surface level? We want to meet our diversity quota to make it look like we're PC and progressive and stuff like that. Does it feel... And, and I your like experience, be, yeah. Yeah. I feel, feel like it definitely authentic. could also be about the groups that you're working with. Some might be more truly looking yeah. for that and some might not be. But Yeah, I mean, I think... I think right now, yes, mm-hmm. there is a real desire to be authentic yeah. in hiring diverse voices because if you're not, it just, you can be canceled, you know? Yeah, yeah. right. There's, <laughs> there are consequences right now to, yeah. to not hiring women yeah. or not hiring people of color or having a South Asian-oriented show with zero representation. There's mm-hmm. really very real consequences of yeah. Yeah. just being completely canceled, right? Yeah. So I think there's still arenas where it is just like, checking off a box or phoning it in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is a desire to to be authentic, however yeah. possible, you know, that... Right. Yeah, I still feel like 
more women need to be hired and more women of yeah. color especially need yeah. to be hired but of course but I do think there there's a price to pay right now the mm-hmm. moment we're living in that if mm-hmm. you don't do it you may that is true you may ruin your show yeah. or ruin your audience your audience may not come to watch your yeah. show yeah well it truly like makes uh, all the difference when something is authentic like I don't know if either of you guys have watched this movie yet but Turning Red the new Pixar oh, yeah. movie that I came like out the, yeah. yeah I just watched it the I'm other day with yet. my roommates and like Obviously, it's, like, set in Toronto, which, like, that, oh, it's, yeah. like, right where I grew up. And there's <laughs> oh, wow. a character named Priya, too, which oh, is kind of funny. No way. But, like, I was so impressed with, like, the accuracy, especially mm-hmm. of, like, Toronto. Like, because they also, it wasn't even set Toronto today. It was set, like, early 2000s Toronto. Oh, and there were so many, like, mm-hmm. specific things when I was watching it with my roommates. I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe they, like, showed this thing that, like, doesn't even exist anymore in Toronto. And yeah. it was crazy how, like like Pixar definitely did a really good job with the accuracy of like mm. that type of stuff and I was so impressed the entire time I was watching I was like this is crazy how like spot on they are and I like it just makes such a difference watching that kind of content because it hits yeah. people so much more when something's actually authentic versus when you're watching just like I don't know we always talk about like the Simpsons and like oh, yeah. a poo and the yeah. Simpsons when you're like watching yeah. like <laughs> those kinds of like yeah I don't know South Asian representation or just like the, any yeah. any minority representation that's kind of like like that it makes a really big difference when you like are actually watching something where you're like wow this is like actually yeah accurate yeah and I feel like it just I feel it like hit, it it does so much better too I, I feel know. like for everybody involved like filmmakers too yeah when they take the time to like make an authentic yeah um movie or tv show or whatever it is that they're creating i would assume it's like more fulfilling and then when the audience's response is overwhelmingly positive about that it probably feels even better like oh my gosh like i'm so glad we could hit that spot and i think even just speaking on that us growing up there was like zero representation in like tv shows movies jasmine jasmine which she's not even meant to be south asian and so (laughs) we would latch on to whatever was the closest to us and i feel like we actually talked about this in the previous episode, how there's, like, studies that show a decrease in self-esteem in children when they don't see themselves on television. So with that said, I was wanting to know how can we improve authentic representations of South Asian in South Asians in film and television. In- mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is I have two daughters. They're mm-hmm. ages right. seven and 11. Okay. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting. They watch a lot of, like, kids' shows, Disney yeah. and Amazon and Netflix. And there are, a, like, there's South Asian kids on there on these shows that they watch, right? I yeah. mean, I've, I've heard of some. some I've heard like, of some. I've heard that there's like, one about, like, a little, like, Indian girl who's a de- detective or something like that. Is that, that? Like, Chopra? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. My, yeah, and it's it's fascinating to me because they're like, oh, they're doing Diwali in the show. Or, like, oh, that's, that's they, so nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. my Mira Royal Detective, like, it came okay, out when yeah. my younger daughter was maybe five, and mm-hmm. it's like, my daughter decided she wanted to dress up as Mira for oh, Halloween. So nice. It was really, it's really kind of amazing because growing yeah. up, I definitely, I mean, yeah. I'm much older than you guys yeah. are, but you know, there was nothing mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you saw an Indian person at the mall, it was like, oh my oh, god, wow. you know. <laughs> yeah. So my, you know, my seven and eleven year old, and it's funny, my eleven year old, they're gonna do like a a color party at her school where they throw color in my. My my 11-year-old, she just turned 12, I should say. She wrote yeah. her principal a note saying, you know, it really bothered me that you didn't acknowledge that this was holy and that this is an Indian holiday. <gasps> that is amazing. Yeah, so impressive. I yeah, yeah. Oh so, gosh. I mean, it was impressive. It's like, oh. 
she's very like South Asian American Mm because you know her. I grew up with parents that were from right from India, but and my daughter is around her grandparents, but her awareness of her South Asian identity is so very different. Different. Yeah, you know, she's very aware. She really embraces it. I love that. She sees all these South Asian people on TV. TV, and there's Mm -hmm. a whole Disney movie called Spin about this Indian girl who. um, Oh oh, wow! Yeah, check it out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. DJs and like it's just kind of funny. I've like read or like seen something about yeah. it, but like I never actually like yeah yeah. Watched yeah. It. But it's just funny because my daughters will they'll watch it and they'll enjoy it, but they'll also criticize, you know, what they don't mm, yeah, like. Yeah, when they're it. like, oh that yeah, that's like, not that's that spot not on. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I, it definitely yeah. makes a difference. Like I even notice out like I have some cousins that are pretty young. Um it's it's like very sweet to watch them see actual like representation Mm, of themselves and like I think it makes such a big difference like I'll notice even just like with any of my younger cousins that they have all these like books as well that like have South Asian characters and I'm like I never got to see anything like that and I feel like it makes such a difference I feel like they are so much more in tune with their South Asian identity than I was when I was their age like I feel Sal and I have talked about this a lot but I feel like a lot of South Asians go through this, but, like, the experience of feeling like you need to kind of, like, push yourself away from your, like, South Asian yeah, side. And, yeah. like, for us, it's been more of that experience where we tried to distance ourselves and are now, like... Embracing. Embracing it and yeah. trying to, like, get back on track yeah. and not um, not feel that same way. So I think it's really good that there is so much more... That's amazing. Representation, especially yeah. in children's shows, like because that's like the most formative that's where it time. Starts. For people. Exactly. Yeah, that's... there's always an Indian kid. On, I feel like on every Disney show, there's yeah, like, I, I love that. Kid though. Is Indian, you know, and yeah. it, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it makes a difference. But for the, the thing kids. is that, like in our like in the world we live in today, us South Asians are everywhere. Yeah, we are everywhere in the world, so it only mm-hmm. makes yeah. sense for our media to mirror that because if we're not having a South Asian kid in every show. Yeah. Like, our real world does not reflect that. We have so many South Asians everywhere, Mm -hmm. but then it's about putting accurate stories about these South Asians that are out there. Because, like, the amount of times when we were younger being asked, like, really dumb questions about the South Asian stereotype and stuff. So it's really nice to see that there's, like, roles where there's South Asians that are the main character, first of all. Oh, yeah. Which is, like, never been a thing. Um, Do you guys know that actor Rizwan Munji? Have you, like, oh, I don't know. You guys will have what? to research and read about yeah, some yeah, of these yeah. actors. But, you know, he's on every Disney kids show. He's mm, always okay. plays the principal or, like, the teacher. I mean, he's really, Wait, he's very he's funny. He's he's on yeah. everything. Yeah. I feel like I might know who you're talking about. Literally on IMDb, I think he has hundreds of credits. He's He's, like... In every comedic. Oh yes, I know. I know who he is. He's yeah. like in Schitt's Creek as well. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. 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 He's in. Yeah. He's in. Yeah. I mean, I'm always blown away by how many things he's in because he does mainstream mm. comedy. Yeah. But he's in a ton of kids shows. Oh. And he has okay. three yeah. kids himself. So oh, that's so nice. like, I always I'm like there he is again. I'm like yeah. that's amazing. Actually, with that, I just want to ask, like, kind of off topic, mm-hmm. but on topic, there was a show, Never Have I Ever, that oh, came yeah. out, like, I think yeah. two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And which is all about a South Asian family. Yeah. Like, what were your thoughts <laughs> did on you, that? Yeah, did you watch it? <laughs> yeah, did you, you watch it? it? Okay. okay. I actually moderated an on-campus panel with some of the actors. Oh, um, wow. What? Yeah. Cool. yeah. yeah. 
It was fun. Um, I personally really love the show. Mm-hmm. I think it's really well done. It's funny and it's yeah. heartfelt. And I love the cast too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really good actors. I think though it's interesting. My niece, who's 15, was like, I don't know. I just don't relate to all the romantic and romance and love. Yeah. Angle I, I and, think you know, that, that aspect. Yeah. yeah. She was like, I don't relate to any of that, and I didn't like the show, which surprised me. But I, mm-hmm. but I also understand, you know, that like it is very. There's a lot of romance and love yeah. and the, the lead actresses boy crazy and that's yeah. not every yeah. girl. So yeah. I thought, you know, so some people may feel like, again, you can fall into a trope with, you know, mm. the mother who's successful and financially well off. Yeah. And that's something I think in the South Asian community that, you know, this like financial success and mm. this perfect representation of what the dream looks like mm-hmm. is a little bit troubling you know that that it's not it's not always that way and we don't get to see people who are struggling or didn't make it to med school yeah. or you know are having financial troubles I mean that that's just a very real part of life and something yeah. that I you know like to do in the films that I make is like I'm I'm more interested in realism but I think it's really good to have watched that show. I totally binged it and yeah. enjoyed every no, minute yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, so. no, I definitely agree. It was definitely interesting to watch just a lot of the little moments that happen or that, like, just were shown about, like, South Asians. I haven't watched, like, the first season in, like, a while, so it's not fresh in my brain, but I remember, like, I don't know, some of the scenes where, like, all the aunties were, like, at, like, yeah. I don't know, pestering about the her about things. It would just make me laugh because definitely reminds me of, like, some of my own yeah. family members yeah. and stuff. So it was cute to see some of that representation, but I know, obviously, it's still, like, the main um, storyline and stuff like that has to be about, like... I don't know, just a teen show that, like, teens would enjoy and, like, want to watch and stuff so it makes sense, like, the boy crazy. And I can see how, like, that's not everybody's cup of tea always with the type of content that they watch, but... Um, it's a start. It's a start. It is. I feel an like entire just, South Asian yeah. have it successful Mindy too. Is amazing. I mean, she's just broken so many barriers. Yeah. And, you know, her writing is just so funny and yeah. relatable. And I think she really, I love the that she shows that the character's Hindu. And I love the, yeah. you know, I love all the little touches that and she And they actually the talk show. about like certain, yeah. I don't know, just certain elements of like Indian culture that yeah. don't usually get talked about. I feel like a yeah. lot of the time, like we've talked about this before, but like a lot of the time people are like, oh, it's like, it's too complicated to explain what this like, I don't know, Indian festival is. So yeah. like, we're just not going to mention it all. Like, so that, and I appreciate the fact that like, I don't know. She was just yeah. like bringing more of that stuff to the table. Like not and dumbing it down for the audience. Exactly. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that's Which very I common loved. to happen. Yeah. And so I appreciate that. And that's another thing that we've like talked about a bit is just like some of the, because I know that like Mindy Kaling's doing a lot of work right now or like has a lot of projects going on right now to kind of help yeah. um, create more paths for South Asians and like mm-hmm. stuff like that, um, which I think has been really cool. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm just definitely hoping to see more people that are doing yeah. that kind of work and bringing um, South Asian representation to more like mainstream content because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people like not only will South Asians appreciate watching that kind of stuff and seeing that representation reflected, but also I think it's just helpful for yeah. anybody to watch because oh, that's yeah. the only way that we're going to get towards better better understanding of different cultures is if we have everyone consuming content that, yeah, looks at a wide variety of different minority groups and cultures and religions and backgrounds and all that type of stuff. Um, so I think it, it is really helpful to have all that work. Mm-hmm. Hey!
So given, you know, the intersectionality of your identities of being a woman and a woman of color, what are some, you know, pieces of advice you could give to aspiring artists or their parents, South Asian parents, to allow their children to go follow their dreams of becoming an artist? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why parents might be fearful or nervous Mm -hmm. because, you know, making a consistent living in the arts, it's not easy. It's not a given. It's not like, you Mm -hmm. know, becoming an engineer. but. I do think that happiness is really important and, Mm -hmm. you know, people have to find a career that they that they want, find something that they want to do in life. And I tend to believe that if you're doing something that you're happy doing and that you enjoy and that you find fulfilling, that you're going to be better at it and that you're going to succeed. I've seen too many people do something that they're just not that happy doing and just get really depressed and they don't do a good job at that and they're not happy. And I think that that causes a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. for people, you know. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of parents, I think at some point parents have to let go and let their, you know, children do what they want. I also think kids, if you have a dream, you have to really just push. You have to just make it happen. Like no one is going to make anything happen for you. So you have to do the work. You have to push hard and and make it happen. And then people will leave you alone. (laughs) Yeah, As you find your way, they'll leave you alone. It's like people will leave you alone when you can pay your bills. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. I definitely think that like just as a whole, we need to – that's like the key to having more yeah. um, like authentic representation and diversity in the content that we see is if we just keep encouraging different, not just South Asians, but like all minorities to actually like pursue the arts and pursue these yeah. industries just so that there's more of us there and mm-hmm. not everyone can use the excuse that we don't want to like yeah. be creating or acting or whatever it is. Yeah. We actually like have just more opportunities for those people to be behind the scenes yeah. creating I love content Lily and Singh. stuff. You, oh, oh yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, she's from Same. Toronto too. Her story's pretty inspiring. You know, yeah. she just kept making stuff mm-hmm. and I know, you know from just blew up from exactly. Her house. Yeah. I think that's exactly. the whole thing like persisting, but I think having more representation and actually opportunities out there in the field will encourage artists because if we're not even seeing opportunities and it's kind of this feeling of like how am I going to be the chosen one to yeah, like make yeah. it that's yeah. so difficult like that's a lot of pressure too also so but exactly. if there's like a lot more like with the shows we have now and artists now then it's like hey if you know there's so many of them doing it so can I yeah. it's not like yeah. an impossible I feel like task. that was such a big thing no. for me as like a kid when yeah. I was like I always knew that I like loved acting like doing community yeah. theater and stuff like that it was just like so much fun but then like I watched yeah. shows and I'd be like there's like no South Asian mm-hmm. roles yeah. and then I was just like I want to do this but like but like how what's <laughs> like how could I even have a successful career yeah. if there isn't even opportunities for me to act in the first place yeah. and obviously yeah getting better definitely since like from when I was a kid but I think that that like it that discourages people even more but I think like I've definitely Mm -hmm. noticed that things are just consistently getting better and so makes me more optimistic for myself and also just for like kids that are like growing up right now who might want to be an actor or be in the industry like 10 years down the road but I guess with that as well said you know in terms of like the media and the industry how do you believe the media acts as a resource and gatekeeper into information passed on to the general public? You know, a lot of people don't pick up a book and research about, about cultures and stuff. And yeah. I've, we've talked about how the media is like a huge source of where people get their information. Yeah. But I would just want to know, like, what are your thoughts on how the media affects pe- like the mass public? People's understanding of mm-hmm. yeah. South Asians or different minority, minority. groups. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people even learn about minority groups from from watching television, you yeah. know, shows and stories. And I think, you know, when you see shows like Blackish, for example, or mm, you yeah. watch, you know, um, Asif Manvi on The Daily Show, I mean, you know, you start mm-hmm. to learn about about that about other people you mm-hmm. know and I think that that is really informative too yeah especially as I was talking about earlier with children's shows and you see a child that's from India or mm-hmm. from Africa mm-hmm. or a different country yeah as a child then you have this understanding yeah. you know that's the world is much bigger than where just mm-hmm. where you're at so yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. also just on that like your own personal films and things you've created um is the intention behind that to create that awareness in the audience about like South Asian stories? Sure. I mean, definitely. I think, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit, it's like ultimately as a filmmaker, you want to tell a human story, you know, Mm -hmm. but you, the human aspect of, of being from a certain culture is part of this narrative, Mm -hmm. you know, and you, you want that to be seamless, but mm-hmm. it's always going to be a point of discussion, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, kind of as a professor, um, you know, working at LMU, teaching, like, the kind of the next generation of students that are actually going to go into the industry and create mm-hmm. films and all that type of stuff, um, have you, like, felt a need to? bring diversity or conversations about that into your curriculum and like what have been I guess some of the ways that you've tried to do that oh yeah absolutely I mean that's a really big part of being an educator is you know a lot of times students come from American families where they only know what's on Netflix or what's in in the local theater right yeah Mm -hmm. and it's you know I think the world is becoming more global but I think it's my job as an educator to expose young people to Deepa Mehta or Spike Lee or, you know, things that they haven't seen and perspectives and points of view. Mm -hmm. So, yes, that's a huge part of the job. And also pushing students to think about different things when they cast, you Mm -hmm. know, blind, colorblind casting Mm -hmm. and thinking about casting people of all ages and Mm -hmm. backgrounds. And, you know, those are things that students often didn't think about in the past. But now it's such a part of our curriculum in our world yeah. and students teach me new things every day yeah. too yeah, you know about their about where they're from and what they're thinking about but yeah I really bring in I bring in a lot of films and short films and things f- that are you know like Vimeo I use a lot of things on Vimeo and Vimeo yeah. staff pick and right you know things that are there's just so much really interesting filmmaking that I try to bring into the class yeah always. like new perspectives new, new perspectives that's yeah especially exactly. female directors mm-hmm. and, yeah. yeah yeah and I think kind of like tying that um, in terms of like creating diversity and bringing diversity into curriculums and stuff um, in terms of the industry and bringing in diversity you know we've talked about you know implicit bias trainings before that people do before entering into the field or before creating something what are your thoughts on implicit bias and training about that and how people can unlearn because implicit bias is just something within the each of us but how to remove that aspect and cast people for their talent instead of their color. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, there's a little more awareness as now than Mm -hmm. there used to be, for sure. But it's, I mean, it's an ongoing process, you Mm -hmm. know, to really think about 
seeing being colorblind and really casting yeah. people from diverse backgrounds. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we do a lot of implicit bias discussion and training, even as professors at LMU, yeah, right? Like how we bring things in, you know, what's our film canon? Is our are we showing films only from the Western world mm-hmm. yeah. in, a, in classes, or are we showing only male filmmakers in a, in classes? Right. You know, and that's yeah. something that mm-hmm. yeah. I think wasn't questioned until you know, unless until. Un- so the yeah. like last few years, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. we sent out a list even in the summer, and I was like thinking, wow, this list of screenwriters—it's all men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, oh, and we yeah. went back and edited that because it's like you just you want diverse, yeah, yeah. screenwriters on there. Exactly. I feel like that is, yeah. We just had a lot of conversations about just like ideas that we have for changes that we want to see moving forward. Definitely, like as we kind of talked about, mm-hmm. um, we want to see more like diversity that actually reflects the world that we live in and walk around in. Um, and that kind of implicit bias training or just like having people become aware of their own biases, because obviously like just in general, when a person walks into a room, you're going to be more inclined to, I don't know, be drawn to the person that looks most like you. Yeah. Um, and so we've like, we've had a lot of conversations about that and why, you know, at least just becoming aware of your yeah. implicit biases and like using that when you are working, no matter who you are, whether you're like a casting agent who's like getting a bunch of people to come into their room to choose an actor for a role or you're you're somebody, a writer, any anyone really in mm-hmm. those different spaces, it makes a big difference if you at least are aware of your biases. And then when you're in those like processes, you're thinking about that and trying to, you know, just be be able to monitor how those biases might be affecting your work. But I guess, do you have any other ideas or things that you would kind of want to see um, or feel like needs to be done to really create meaningful changes in the industry to mm-hmm. just continue to promote the diversity and things like that that um, we've seen? I mean, I think on the business side too, you know, producers that are come from diverse backgrounds, fi- mm-hmm. you know, and financing projects that yeah. are, you know, non mainstream I mean I thought it was great that the film Minari was made you know oh, I don't know if you guys that, saw yeah that. I've seen that it's, it's very really, good. really yes. beautiful you know more projects like that and I think that's what's nice about the streamers like Netflix and you know even say a Hulu they can they have global audiences mm-hmm. so it's yeah. become a business proposition that the financing needs to get wider and bigger and not just for an American audience yeah. because yeah. people from all over the globe are clicking on that material, mm-hmm. right? So on the business side, I think is very, very important and training producers of color. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Financing those projects, having agents that are aware of, you know, what it takes to to be an actor or a filmmaker. So, right. Yeah. We I, never even I, thought of that perspective. I know. I didn't, yeah. think, <laughs> I didn't think about the producer element, but that definitely that makes would a make a big, sense. Yeah. a big difference. Just like, because at the end of the day, how are you supposed to create that kind of stuff if you don't have any funding or anything like that Mm -hmm. if there's nobody who's like willing to support films of color or tv shows or whatever it might be um i definitely think it makes a huge difference yeah i think that's a huge roadblock too for sometimes for female directed movies where you know if it's not an action film or something that's going to make big money at the box office maybe it's not going to get the same type of financing you know so yeah i think for sure, there need to be more financing entities for yeah. underrepresented yeah. voices. Yeah. So just kind of wrapping up with um, some of our final questions for this episode. Um, is there any like 
I, I guess we talked about how we could see some of your content, some of the films that you made earlier in the episode, but if there's any um, ways that people could keep in touch with the work that you're doing, um, mm-hmm. if you want to plug yeah. any of those resources, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram. My Instagram mm-hmm. is um, lenapend.filmmaker. Okay. So you can follow me there. And um, my movies are Raspberry Magic and 20 Weeks, my features. So oh, yeah. check those Yay, out. Yeah. And yeah. just any last thoughts <laughs> that you want to give to the podcast? Um, I mean, I think it's ultimately about, you know, having a voice and following mm-hmm. what you feel like you is important, you know, and creating, I think as more, as younger, as young people create more media, there's def- yeah. definitely much more awareness of, of representation, which has been really awesome, I think, to see that evolution and change. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely. hope. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There's there still is hope. hope. We can yeah. see some good changes, hopefully coming yeah. in the industry and just, I think it's really I don't know, the stories you were sharing about your kids and the content that they're I able know that, to watch. Honestly, that makes yeah. me yeah, so very much happy help. to know <laughs> that they're yeah putting the resources into creating content for yeah. children. Yeah. Um, so I think that it makes me very optimistic for the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for joining yeah, thank us thank you. on our thank episode. You for having me. It was um, so lovely to get to know you and your works and all the stuff you had to say. So yeah. thank um, you so much thank again. You. <laughs> and just, I guess, ending things off. Yeah. Um, I'm Priya Defton. And I'm Saloni Kanani. And this is Brown Skin White Lives.